This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. If this is your first Geekscape, we're going to be talking movies, video games, comic books, pop culture. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, get your coffee, get whatever you do. Maybe you're sitting in your car, maybe you're on a jog, maybe you're hanging out at work and listening to Geekscape. Wherever you are, thank you for joining us. If this is not your first Geekscape, I'm glad I did something right in a past Geekscape to get you to re-download Geekscape and listen to it again. Maybe you've been listening to us for the last, I don't know, We've been around a while, uh, and I'm really, really, really glad. Uh, and I want to reward you for it, and I will reward you for it by ordering brand new t-shirts. I did t-shirt inventory all yesterday and counted up all the shirts that are remaining, and I'm going to take them all down to San Diego Comic-Con and sell them off, along with brand new shirts. Maybe working on some new designs, absolutely bringing back old designs. We're pretty much sold out of Don't Hate Create, so that's coming back. And it might be getting an apostrophe. <laughs> yeah, well... About that, uh, if you, I no no comment on that. I think I've commented all I've commented, but definitely we ordered Don't Hate Create, and then I was like, Don't should have an apostrophe in it. All right, next run, and that you are now going to get that run. So if you've been holding off on buying that shirt, good for you. You're going to get one with an apostrophe in it. And just to give you a little bit behind the scenes, George, my partner in Geekscape, and I, he's always looking at the bottom line. I respect that, but he said. Is it something that we could just add? I'm like, like a motherfucking sticker? No, I'm not giving people stickers to stick an apostrophe to their t-shirts. But I don't think that's what he meant. I think, it, can we keep the same design in the printing press so we don't have to redo the whole thing for cost, yet augment the current print so that the apostrophe is above the NT, but not necessarily spacing the T out, requiring a brand new pressing? No, bro. We're going to do it right. We're going to do it once and for all. You're getting the shirt. Um, so I really, really look forward to Comic-Con with all of you. We're, gonna, we're planning the booth to be a lot of fun. And I think that my guest today on Geekscape will be coming down, I think, on that Saturday and promoting the book we're going to be talking about right now on the podcast. Um, and while you guys are at it, like, 
I love doing the show, and I hope you guys really enjoyed the last couple episodes with Eric Francisco and my friend Diallo Jackson. There's been a lot of comic book talk. That's kind of what we do. A lot of movie talk. That's kind of what we do. And we got E3 next week, so I've got a couple uh, people lined up to potentially do the show. I'm going to pick the best one, and I'm going to bring it to you, and we're going to be talking about video games. So if you've been waiting for video games, I'll give you a couple pieces of advice. You're getting a video game episode next week. And you should probably be uh, subscribing to Derek Cranavelt's brand new Geekscape show, um, Xbox Game Pass, which is pretty... Let me just tell you what happens. Every week, Derek uh, puts a randomizer on (laughs) and picks a game that is one of the free games from having Xbox Game Pass. And he and his fiance. Uh, subject themselves to the game and sometimes the games are good sometimes the games are terrible and they review the game over the episode so if you guys are Xbox players and you guys have Xbox Game Pass you're like hey what do I download that's free that I can play on my Xbox Game Pass Derek and Mika are guiding you towards what is good and what is the Disneyland game (laughs) that is like shovelware (laughs) that is horrible (laughs) and listening to them agonize through that game was hilarious so I kind of like the episodes where the games are crap more than I like the episodes where the games are good so that's a brand new show on the Geekscape Network and I hope you guys are subscribing to it Uh, and we're going to keep going so right now I'm sitting next to my good friend Jason Inman he's got a brand new book that you guys can get off of Amazon right now it's at the top of the charts it's at the it's at the top of the charts, right? It's a it's a bestseller right now. It's a bestseller. Yeah, it's right crazy. now it's a bestseller. Right now, maybe not tomorrow. You know what? Maybe not the time you're listening to this. But maybe not the right, time. But at the right moment now, we're recording this, recording it's a bestseller. This. Amazon's a, it's a fickle bestseller. website. Dude, did you grab screen grabs of that stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I had Miami Vice at the mm-hmm. top of the comic books, I was like beating Sin City and like all these. <laughs> I was like better. Like <laughs> the book was selling more than Watchmen and Sin City yeah, and all that um, stuff. And I was like, excuse me. Fucking take that, Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this uh, for some reason, I don't know why, because it's not a comic or graphic novel, but Super Soldiers got to the number one bestseller on comics and graphic novels. Mm-hmm. That's and, the chart, and baby. So, and so I was looking at Super Soldiers outselling Batman. <laughs> and yeah. That's why I did that tweet where I was like, this is the only time I'll be able to say that I outsold Hell. Batman. <laughs> yeah, so the book is called Super Soldiers. And there's some autobiographical elements to the book. I've gone through the book a bit. Um, and basically, Jason, in uh, about 14, 15 years ago, Jason was stationed in Iraq. And uh, as a soldier, he has some insight about some of your favorite comic book characters who have also um, been U.S. soldiers, at least. I think there's a second iteration of the book coming soon in the future. Maybe not. I'm Foreign words, soldiers? I'm putting words in, in Jason's <laughs> mouth. But this one concentrates on uh, characters like Captain America, Captain Marvel, etc., who have actually... Uh, been U.S. soldiers at one point, and mm-hmm. it talks a little bit about the variances between those characters, right? Because Cap is much different than Frank Castle, but they were all soldiers at one point. Uh, sometimes they've crossed over as soldiers they in have. the comics, but their tactics now as vigilantes are a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the comic kind of talks about the shades, and what I liked about the comic the most is and not just because I'm really close friends with Jason. Uh, what I love about uh, the book is those like insights to J- to Jason's experiences as a soldier. And you can kind of uh, you can thank uh, Ashley Victoria Robinson, my wife, for that because I was when I started out this book again. Like my whole idea was I'm going to look at the comic book history and I'm going to judge by the end of the chapter whether I think they're a good or bad representation of the U.S. military, whether their comic stories say that. 
And I was writing the Captain... I wrote a bad first draft of the Captain America chapter. I wrote a bad first draft of the Captain Marvel chapter. And I was like, there's something There's something missing here. I don't know what's going on. And so I let my, my wife, Ashley, read it. And she was like, why don't you talk about your experiences? Yeah. And as soon as I started plugging that in there, like the book took on a whole life of its own. So yeah, it weirdly... It's about comic book superheroes and it's about that, but if you want to like, there's a lot of military stories that I've never told anybody that actually put that in the story. I, I, I never even told Ashley that, and she read the book and she was like, whoa, I didn't know that. Who was she? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do find those to be the most rewarding parts of the book because I'm pretty well versed on these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oh yeah, there's nothing in these books except for like a few things here and there that, you're, that, that you don't already know about those characters. It's more about examining their stories. Right. And you and let me just throw you guys a couple of the characters. And they're all characters that we're pretty familiar with. Characters like Nick Fury and the Punisher. Nuke, who you guys love from Born Again, Daredevil Born Again. <laughs> Nuke is psychotic. Uh, Sergeant Rock. Isaiah Bradley, who you guys remember, was the original Captain America. Mm-hmm. He was the one um, from, was that the Truth storyline? Truth, Red, White, and Black. I've actually, I love it. I say that. A lot of people ask me the question, who do you think is the best soldier out of the entire book? And I say it's Isaiah. Yeah, and he's somebody who's kind of been shoveled out by mm-hmm. by Marvel. Like they don't really talk about Isaiah Bradley. There's they some... should make a movie of him. I really think they should. Is America ready for a movie of that? Probably not. Probably not. But but remember when Spider-Verse came out yeah. and we got Miles Morales and now it's Miles Morales yeah. a go-go across the board mm-hmm. and I'm all for it. Isaiah Bradley just doesn't... I mean, I have those truth issues. I think they're amazing. Um, you've seen remnants, Geekscapists, if you're big Marvel heads, you've seen remnants of the Isaiah Bradley storyline in things like Young Avengers. Yeah, because Patriot is his grandson. Patriot is his grandson. So there are remnants of that first Isaiah Bradley because I love the concept of truth. It's really dark, but it was like, okay, so you're telling me that the U.S. government was going to do a super soldier program that resulted in Captain America and they were going to first test it on a white guy? Mm-hmm. No. There's a darker story here. They were going to test it on a black guy, and yeah. that's Isaiah Bradley, who was the first real super soldier. And in that storyline, so there, there's I love the moments where, in that universe, they publish Captain America comics. Mm-hmm. So Isaiah, while he's out on secret missions as a super soldier, gets Captain America comics, and he gets obsessed with Captain America, and he's and he loves Captain America, but also at the same time. He doesn't understand why he can't be Captain America because yeah. he, that's where he puts two and two. He reads the comic it's and he's the like forties, yeah. <laughs> but he reads the comic and he's like, "Oh wait a minute, I'm Captain America. Like yeah. I have this is my origin too. Like yeah. what? So yeah. it's it's so sad and tragic. And 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 the ending of Truth, Red, White, and Black, which I do not want to spoil, no. is is one of those few comic book moments where like if it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, like I don't know if you're human. And Geekscape is like. I know we just came across a character. You, that's probably one of the more vaguer characters in this mm-hmm. book, Super Soldiers. Um, you may not be familiar with him, as Jason's been saying, and I completely agree. Go out and find that trade paperback. It's super... Um, I hope they're still collecting that because it's one of the best stories. It might lines. be out of print, but I know you can find it digitally. Absolutely go out and find it because it's a really great Captain America story um, from a character that's not Captain America. And he's a witness to Captain America in World War II. And, um, and I love that you included him in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was one of the first ones. Like he was one of the first ones that I. There were certain characters that I decided definitely have to be in the book, like Captain America, Captain Marvel. Punisher had to be in this book. Certain other characters I I sort of discovered in my research and I fell in love. Like I was not planning on including Captain Atom. Really? No. Uh, and as I was a DC not, man. As a as DC man, I, I'm not a big fan. This, I was but Green Lanterns and Green Lanterns in both Green Lanterns were in. Yeah. Uh, because I wanted to show the duality of Air Force and Marines. Sure. Gravedigger. 
was another character that I I was definitely going to include Sergeant Rock, and in doing my research for Sergeant Rock, I found Gravedigger. And Gravedigger's story, you know, he's from our army, or no, is it our men at, at war? Mm-hmm. DC has like two war titles, and I always get the two of them mixed right. up. And Gravedigger is the one I was familiar with the least. Um, okay, yeah, Gravedigger is so amazing. So he's like very similar to Isaiah. He's a man fighting World War II, and at the time, African Americans were either you either were cooks or you were you dug graves. Right. And he's a gravedigger, and it's the idea is that he wants to participate in combat just because he thinks he is the best soldier out there. And he does a couple missions. He proves that he is the best soldier out there. And so the United States military allows him to take on suicide missions with the code name Gravedigger. Yeah, you can go and get killed. Yeah, you've earned your ability to just yeah, go yeah, yeah. and get killed. Well, because it's, it's it, and that's a weird thing is that it it sort of talks about the inherent racism as well, mm-hmm. where the government is like, okay, fine, uh, black man, we will let you fight, but you're gonna have to do all these missions that the white man doesn't want to do. Like it's mm-hmm. it sucks. But again, the the amazing thing, and I love, I've grown to love this character now. Um, you go read these issues. He is the best soldier. He's a little rambunctious. And there are stories where him and Sergeant Rock cross over. Mm-hmm. And Sergeant Rock is sort of the, like, you know, grit your teeth, climb yeah, the hill, grizzled. let's do it, boys. And there are several storylines where he tells Gravedigger, whoa, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, so you're all, you're, you're psychotic. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a little too rambunctious. The funny one that I think is hilarious is that um, you put Beetle Bailey in the book. Of course. I know, I know. Of but course. Beetle Bailey, you can argue, isn't even too much of a combo character because he comes out of comic strips. He's a comic strip. But he has been published. There were Beetle Bailey comics, so that's how I get around right. that. That's when, why I count it. Yeah, because I remember reading Beetle Bailey comics in the Sunday Funnies mm-hmm. as a kid. And now, when was he published in comics? I was guessing it was like the this, 40s. It, 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 no, it was like the... 50s? Somewhere in the late 50s, 60s. Yeah. They actually like they took the strips, and they literally made it in a comic book, and it was four strips per page. I used to do that with the Spider-Mans that Stan Lee would write yeah. for... because you can find them. They're called the Beetle Bailey Comics. That's what they're called. That's awesome. Yeah. And now he's the one that I also am like, okay, I only remember him as <laughs> a jokester. Like, he was kind of like, he's kind of like a lazy soldier. He's kind of yes. like a bum. He is. But the reason, the reason why I wanted to put him in there is because not only do... If you, if you say to a person on the street, who's the, who's the most famous fictional soldier yeah or like who do you think like especially in comic people might more people we'd be surprised we'll probably say beetle bailey but i also want captain america uh well I, you'd be somebody like my mother would probably say beetle bailey yeah my, she my reads, dad would probably say beetle yeah bailey. she reads beetle bailey in yeah. the newspaper she doesn't really quite know who captain america is she probably does because of the movies now but i put beetle bailey in there because i think every service member no matter what branch you're in at one point in your career, you're Beetle Bailey because you don't want to do the mission. <laughs> you're you, so bored. You want to, you, you're bored and you want to sleep against the tree. And you right. hate your Sarge. No matter yeah. what ser- branch you're in, you hate Sarge. Do you always hate, did you hate your Sergeant? Yeah. <laughs> you may- I liked one of mine, but I hate, uh, I, I think it, I can't remember which chapter it is, but I tell the story about our squad leader, Sergeant, who we all disliked. Um, and What was the situation? Uh, he just was always, um, he was always following orders no matter what, and he would always follow the rules, even though the rules were stupid. Because there's something you discover when you serve in the military, and you discover this, I think, in all parts of life, is that there are certain rules you follow, and there are certain rules that you understand why they're there. They're there for the dummies, but you can't actually follow them because then you can't do your job. Wait. Like, um, okay, give us an example for the geekscapists in the back. Uh, okay, so... Well, something that happened to you. Okay, let's... Uh, there, 
just off the top of my head. This is all declassified information. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> nothing I did was classified. Um, uh, there was like one mission, but uh, I think I could talk about it now because it's so far removed. Anyways. Uh, and everyone else is dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason made sure of it. Yep. I, uh, I secretly drank a serum and uh, I just, you know, can't tell you about it. But anyways. Um, <laughs> anyway, so one of the examples is, is that, um, or one example is that what people don't realize, especially you serve in Iraq, or in Iraq, I saw 140 degrees Fahrenheit, easy. easy. 145 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. out in the desert. Mm-hmm. I, you know those, How, but, you know, those big round... But because you're wearing shit too, right? Yeah. So you know one of those big round uh, uh, temperature scales? I've seen multiple of those break. Because they max out. Because they max out. You'll see like the thing, like it'll sit there and it'll kunk and it'll break because the temperature's too hot. What? That's how hot it is. It literally, <coughs> it feels like you walk out the door and you're in, you're, you're in a full-on oven. I'm sorry, Geeks, but I'm, co- I'm coming over off of a it's little cold. Uh, <coughs> sorry so, so it's 140 degrees. We're in full uh, uniform, wearing a Kevlar vest, wearing a Kevlar helmet. Um, on top of that, that that adds at least forty-five pounds on top of what you're already wearing, and it's these hot metal plates sitting on your chest. So it's 140 degrees. We're sitting in the battle rattle armor, you know, Kevlar armor stuff like that. We're inside of Humvees that are caked in metal, that are just giant ovens as well. And there's tiny little air conditioning systems in there. Yeah, that works. Um, that doesn't work at all. It's no. just blowing more hot air. So one time. We, it was, I, I think in my, to my memory, it was like the hottest day I can remember. It was so hot. And we were driving from Baghdad to our base in Talil, which was about like five hours south of Baghdad. Um, and it was so hot. And I remember I was leading the mission. Now you gotta realize, I was 21 when I was in yeah. Iraq. So I was in charge of the mission. And so in our Humvee, we were all dying. Like this one dude like kept uh, throwing up because it was so hot. So eventually, I was like, "All right, screw it. Take off your uniform tops. Let's do it." Like so, we and that's against the rules. That's against the rules. Absolutely. You cannot do that. So we took off our universe top. We took off our uniform tops, our long sleeves, and then we put the Kevlar vest back on top of our t-shirts. Okay, it, it helped a little bit. It made sure. it. It made a huge difference. Sure, you're not wearing all that canvas. Exactly, because I was like, "We got five hours. Nobody will know. We'll put them back on before we get to the gate. Nobody will know." Um, Fun fact, we got stopped by another oh. convoy, and there was a colonel, <laughs> there was a colonel, and the colonel was like, what are you doing with your, your blouse off, <laughs> soldier? And I remember saying, without a beat to the colonel, something like, uh, um, well, if you got us an air conditioning system that would fucking work, sir, we'd actually wear them. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> then I was like, let's roll out. We kept rolling. I didn't know who he was, and I figured like he he would have no idea. Also, I wasn't wearing my uniform top, which didn't have my name on it. Right. So how did he know who I was? Right. Okay, so that is an example. <laughs> so that is a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's a skirting the rules. That's a, that's a low example. But we, it would happen all the time. But you talk about Captain America, because when he brought on, when he became Nomad, mm-hmm. it was distinctly because he enacted that soldier's right to say, nope. Yeah, I'm not following that rule because it's the wrong thing. And you even hinted at things in the book that you did that if you'd have followed those rules, yeah, you may not be here. I, I would definitely be dead. I would definitely be dead. There's an example of um, so in in the military in the army, you have officers and you have enlisted men. Enlisted men are the ones who volunteer. Officers are the ones that usually go through ROTC or go to college or military college, and then they become ranked. Okay, let's talk about it again. Okay. okay. Run it past me again. So, yeah, there's the people who went to ROTC. Yes. And they become 
officers. Officers. They're automatically in charge. Done. Okay. Just because they went and got Just the Just because they went through that. Just because they went through the degree. And the enlisted men were volunteers. The enlisted men are the people who go through basic. So I was enlisted. Sure. Um, and we're automatically un- underneath that. But the enlisted... Why? Um, it's, I don't know. Just the way it works, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, um, the enlisted men are the sergeants. You know, they're Sergeant Rock's enlisted man. Um, they're the ones that are on the ground. They're the ones that are actually enacting the missions. They're the ones that know how everything work. And in most cases, you'll have a sergeant who's like been a lifer. He's been in the army for 20 years. He knows every in and out, knows how things work. And then in charge of that man will be somebody fresh out of college, like my age, 23, and who has memorized the rule book and thinks he knows everything. So a lot of our mission briefings would be, this lieutenant would show up and be like, all right, now according to the, and he'd be reading now the army manual, mm-hmm. according to the rules, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, and then he'd walk away, and then we'd have the sergeant be like, all right, we ain't gonna do any of that shit, because it's gonna get us killed. <laughs> this is what we're actually gonna do. <laughs> you know, and then it would just be one of those things of like, don't tell the lieutenant. Right. You know, because the lieutenant doesn't care as long as the mission gets done. So the sergeant would just make the mission happen however he needed to make it happen. As long as the goal was achieved, nobody cared. How drastic were these changes? Quite drastic sometimes. Really? Yeah, quite drastic sometimes. Because sometimes, uh, and it's hard to explain some of these examples without like going into full military stuff, but some of it is just like how you proceed the mission. So the lieutenant would be like, go down this road. Sure. Like, you're going to go down this road because according to the Army Manual, the, this is what it says. And then the sergeant would be like, we're not going down that road. because We've they, been there before. We've been there before. Yeah. There's IEDs all over the place. We're going to take this route. Right. <laughs> you know, right. stuff That's like that. That's a good example. Yeah. No, Geekscape, if you go back two years in the feed, maybe a year and a half in the feed, I really recommend you guys listen to the episode with Kevin McCaffrey. Kevin may not be anybody of note to you, but I put it down as a Geekscape origin story because Kevin was my co-host for college radio for four years at, at Penn. And uh, when he left Penn, he went right into the military, became... Special Forces and all that It has so many stories Similar to Jason's From uh, places like Ramadi Where the combat was insane And the stuff Some of the stuff he saw Yes, coming out with no experience With a degree You would not believe That these are some of the tactics That are being thrown at you By mm-hmm. uh, by the enemy forces So uh, go listen to that episode Because some of the stories Are just Horrifying, but you know what? And Somebody, I imagine he sort of saw way worse stuff than I ever saw, especially special forces. He saw so. he saw some shit, and he and we talk about it on the show. Some of it is like, <laughs> some of it is pretty intense. And uh, he was a he was a sniper and a spotter and all that stuff. And, oh damn! Um, and and Kevin's good. He, update on Kevin Geekscapus. He now lives in the Philippines and works uh, special. Um, he works as a consultant for security. So he oh, good. tries to keep the bad guys from coming in and taking over your business. <laughs> so, yeah, he does so, yeah. security consulting. In the so in, in terms of all that stuff, that's, that's the reason why Beetle Bailey is definitely in this book. And I had to talk about him. Because the dipshittery mm-hmm. of so much of the military. Well, it's both sides. Again, again, all soldiers want to be lazy because we don't want to do, do the mission. Yeah. And then at some point we meet a leader in charge of us who we're just like, that's idiotic. Yeah. And that's what Sarge is. So in a way, Beetle Bailey may be the most accurate depiction. Of- Weirdly, and you know, I yeah. mentioned that in the book. Weirdly, Beetle Bailey might be the most accurate depiction. <laughs> <laughs> so talk a little bit about what, like, you have like an endless stream of forwards of like, of like. Oh, you mean quotes? Quotes in the beginning of this book. I can understand like getting like three quotes, four quotes. You have like 38 quotes in the beginning <laughs> of this book. And some of them are pretty amazing. Like when I saw that Dan Aykroyd gave you a quote, I'm like, and Brad Meltzer. Yeah. 
that's pretty insane. But um, how did you acquire some of these quotes? Because uh, did you go for people who had experience in the military, writing about military, but somebody like Dan Aykroyd, I'm like, that one just come, seems like it's a Hollywood thing. Like, you got out of, like, Dan Aykroyd people. actually is a big supporter of veterans in Hollywood. A lot of people don't know this. The reason why, go back and watch the Ghostbusters movies, the reason why the firemen and policemen and soldiers show up in that movie, too, is because he loves um, veterans and armed forces and service members. So I had... Um, heard about that and so I a lot of these by the way are just shots in the dark like sure. I you know I always treat every book and every project and every comic I make like it might be the last one I ever make so I a lot of these are just blind emails I just blind email people sent them a copy of the book and hope for the best and with Dan Aykroyd I I uh, know his I know one of his assistants in real yeah. life and I sent it to her and said, like, if you want to forward it to him, please. If not, no worries. And she did. And then a week later, Dan Aykroyd emailed me back and gave me a quote. That's huge. Yeah. And said, enjoy the book. And Brad Meltzer was the same way. Brad Meltzer, I've sort of, I know friends of friends of Brad Meltzer. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just reached out to one of his friends and said, would you forward this along? And then Brad Meltzer emailed me back. Uh, luckily, the, one of my favorite ones is uh, Anthony Swafford. He's the guy that wrote Jarhead. Um, yeah, I saw that. That's huge. And uh, he, luckily I met him, he worked on the show that I worked, The Code. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, um, Anthony is sort of like the weird um, grandfather of this book. Because it, at certain points, because he's written several books and he's a, he's a legend, he's an amazing writer. I would just, luckily one of the advantages of working in television is that his office was three offices down from mine. So I was working on this, sometimes during work hours of The Code, you know, I had nothing else. I'd like pull out a chapter and start going. And I'd just go down and knock on his door and say, like, hey, what do you think? And he would give me a lot of advice really? about this. Yeah, he would even give me advice here and there. Get out of yeah. here, you snot-nosed kid. Yeah, no, he's, 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 he's lovely and he's amazing. And, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, I was, like, going for, like, a weird batch of, like, nerdy people, yet people that sort of were connected to the military. And, mm-hmm. uh, again, I was, I, there's a lot of quotes, but I emailed more people than I thought I would need. And You got a lot of Weirdly, them. they all emailed me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sitting here and I I was going through the PDF that you guys sent me in advance. And I was like who didn't put a quote at the beginning of this book? <laughs> I did I had two no's. I had two no's, but I will not say who they are. I'll tell you off air who they okay. are. Okay. Yeah, cuz they they're, they're going to surprise you. Geekscape is uh the book is called Super Soldiers. I would get you to uh some Amazon right now and help it remain on the top of the charts because you know what Batman shouldn't get everything. That's right. We he didn't take some serve. He didn't serve that, he didn't serve. that one percenter. He's a son of a bitch. He did not serve. He's but like, yeah, it's oh, a, fine. It, my army is of violence and S&M gear. It's available, uh, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Apple Books. There's an audio book. Sadly, I didn't get to record it. I made the case, but I didn't. Who did the audio book? Uh, some guy that does a lot of audio books. I don't know. Well, let's start reading it right now. Oh, sure. I've got enough time on this SD card. <laughs> Geekscape is prepare for the audio reading of Super Soldiers by Jason Inman. You got a couple hours? Let's clear your day. All right, cool. Yeah. Okay, start I mean, reading. I think I could read that in five hours, right? Here we go. Here we go. Maybe I'll, I'll just do the introduction. <laughs> sure, please. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> Nobody would download that. Uh, People would be like, yeah, I stopped the introduction because that Ray Romano guy started talking. <laughs> hey, guys. So, There's a uh, surprise in the mouth. Hey. <laughs> so, Jason, let's, let's talk, talk about some other nerdy let, stuff. Well, yeah. we, we got to talk. In Geekscape, you are going to get a X-Men um, Dark Phoenix episode with Ian Kerner later in the week, so be looking for that on the feed. I've read the script already. I have not seen the movie. My review is mediocre. I'm anticipating my review will be... <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. That, it, it's all right. It's a movie. It's all right. Um, do you know what? And, and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, but um, look for that in the feed. There's stuff going on over at DC. And I remember like getting to know you that year that we both auditioned for DC All Access. Is yeah, you show? auditioned literally right before I me. auditioned yep. right before you. And <laughs> we I told the story I, on Geeks Game we, before. We've done you, it before. You walked down the stairs and I was at like, the DC All Access. And, yeah. I, and I saw you and I was like, I'm not getting the job. And I saw him and I was like, well, it's Jason's gig now. <laughs> <laughs> and one of us has better intuition, Geekscapists. Which is why I was unemployed. Yep. But you're listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw. I, I was like, that'd be a lot of fun, man. Oh, gee whiz! It would be sure. Sure, would be a lot of fun to talk comics with the DC folks every week on DC All Access. Humdiggery! I think that went swell. And I'm walking down the steps. All, <laughs> I saw Jason sitting there waiting to audition. I go. Well, shucks, it was a nice dream, but I guess I'll go put another quarter in the next pocket. <laughs> I'm just making shit up. Oh, well. What is um, this voice? I don't know. It's, it's, it's wishful Johnny. It was, only, it was only like five years ago? Yeah. It's, it's me walking down the street being like, hmm, life is full of opportunity. And you can only pick the plants that you plant. <laughs> The world is full of seeds and opportunity. Whee! Don't eat the seeds. All right. Don't eat the seeds. Uh, yeah, DC. Um, Mar- Mother Mercy oh. plants. <laughs> DC is. Um, there's that gif of a, of, a, of a dumpster catching on fire. We're not quite there yet, but we're close. Dude, this shit with Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Because I was a. So I had a publicist send me a solicitation for one of the actors on Swamp Thing to mm-hmm. try and get them on Geekscape. Oh, cool. Get them on Geekscape. And I was like. And I'm about to leave town, Geekscapist. I'm about to go to the Northeast here in a week or so. Um, so it's a little spotty on when I can record the episodes. I will be bringing my equipment with me in case something in the Northeast is good to go. But for the most part, it's the schedule's getting a little silly. So I'm talking to this publicist about when they can get this actor from Swamp Thing on the show. And the next day, Swamp Thing is suddenly canceled. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it went from 13 episode first season... To ten episodes, to no second season, and then you start hearing this horror story about how the first season was an eighty million dollars season, mm-hmm. and how they applied for the North Carolina tax credit, but there was like a fucking paper filing the error, paper snafu, and they messed it up. Yeah, and suddenly, instead of getting forty million back from the state of North Carolina, they're getting fourteen million back, and that is way too expensive mm-hmm. to be having it i mean that's kind of lines up with what you're hearing yeah I, first off i want to say like and a lot of people are forgetting this and uh, but i think you would say, and i heard something's well, great well yeah i, heard I, I haven't seen really it. good i've heard but i which I'll, is a shame I'll, the one thing that a lot of people are forgetting in the story and i want to i want to point it out is that um that this must suck for the cast and the crew and the writers that made this because they had their show just premiered so they're on this amazing high it was getting good reviews they're I on heard this amazing awesome. high and then two days later, they're canceled. And I still want to see it. Yeah. Because I heard it's good. Like the best and the worst. So in all your, all your Swamp Thing, thing like the people that, that like you should really be thinking about during this is don't be thinking about like, oh, I'm not going to get Swamp Thing or oh, DC Universe. Think about the people that made this show that like are now all employed. Yeah. You know, that's the thing to think about. Not good. Uh, and, not it's, good. And, and everybody agrees it's a good show. I know. I really want to see it. I love the cast. Love Will Patton. Mm-hmm. Love Jennifer Beals. Love... The whole concept and, and the, the the everything I saw coming out of that show, yeah, what looked right. I've I know I've heard that all of these DC universe shows 
have a budget somewhere between eight million to fifteen million an episode, which is ridiculous. Just to, and to give you an idea, like the average network show, network, ABC, CBS, NBC, they use them the most, is somewhere around $5 million. That's right. That's right. And for your CW shows, Geeks Capers, that'll be about $2 million. Yeah, Flash is, Flash is three because of the special effects. I think Supergirl is three. Arrow is one, by the way. Yep. They've always held a $1 million budget, which yeah. I think is impressive that they were able to make a show that looks that good for $1 million. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, Legends is like two. Yeah. So, so Geekscape is like, this is how much this stuff costs. The fact that they shot 10 episodes on a Swamp Thing season for $80 million yeah. pretty much tells you that they're spending about $8 million an episode. And I've heard, and I've heard Stargirl is the same thing. I've heard Stargirl is, is like somewhere around $10 million an episode. It's just not sustainable. Yeah. And then you get this rumor, and this is what I've heard, mm-hmm. that, the I mean, raise your hand, Geekscape, if you're listening to this right now, and you have a subscription to DC Universe. I'm... I don't think I, any of you have raised your hands because I'm hearing this rumor that the DC Universe subscription is somewhere in the low thousands. I've heard that as well. I've heard that as well. I've I've heard it's under fifty thousand. This is an incredibly unsustainable mm-hmm. model. Spending that much on TV shows, people know that Netflix is in billion dollars of debt, right? Well, actually, I heard I heard last year Netflix crossed into profitability. Finally, last year because Netflix operated. For a mm-hmm. long time. If they're in profitability now, they yeah. operated for the majority well, of their history. they started in 2006, remember? As right. the DVD company. And they started, yes, and they started for a long time as a loss leader. Mm-hmm. In a massive amount of debt. This is, If this is a model you want to undertake, yep. and it seems like DC wanted all, I mean, it seems like they shoved all of the chips into the, into the table and were like, we're in, what's it going to cost us? Oh, it's going to cost you about a billion dollars yeah. because you're going to be spending eighty, hundred mm-hmm. million on each ep- on each show, and you're going to need at least ten of them to stratify. And, and the none diversity. of these and none of these companies are also realizing that it took Netflix twelve years, twelve years to get to profitability. Mm-hmm. It's because you have to build up your library. And we're sitting here watching it. Meanwhile, all Disney has to do is flip a switch with the Disney Plus, yep. and they've put Star Wars, Pixar, ESPN, and Marvel, National Geographic, Marvel, and all these things under one roof. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little extra Geekscapist for me for ESPN and National Geographic stuff, but I definitely want the ESPN stuff. Well, it, that's but, the advantage that Disney has is that Disney has the library, but so they so can does like Warner boof. Brothers, which is what the next point is that I'm going to make. All right, sure. The next rumor I have, and you're already nodding, so I yep. think that you've heard the same rumor. Have, yeah, is DC Universe is gone. And they're going to get folded into yeah. a larger Warner Brothers streaming service. Yeah. And I think that is a great move. I think that is a very smart move because sure. it should be an umbrella. It should be under the umbrella of Warner Brothers and it should be a shingle where it's like, okay, this little corner of the streaming service is for my DC stuff. Mm-hmm. Over here is for my Looney Tunes. Over here is for my, don't know what else Warner Brothers does. Mm-hmm. It's too niche. It's too niche as DC Universe. I've heard that as well. I mean, I heard back in January that DC Universe was already... Apparently, they were already having meetings that DC Universe was being canceled. The rumor I heard was this. That they had a host named Jason Inman. <laughs> and this, when, in a certain, in that when Jason was the host, there was a level of je ne sais quoi that he carried with him. This, this sex appeal. Yep. That when he no longer was the host... <laughs> and I will say it's mismanagement. When he was no longer the host, uh, the rumor is that the ratings plummeted. Mm. I've that, heard that. I've heard that too. The, I can that confirm they that. They plummeted, <laughs> and without Jason there to act as the tentpole for this operation, 
He was DC Universe, is what I heard. <laughs> I heard that he was DC Universe. And yeah, spread that around town, please. Without the shepherding of this man yeah. to lead the audience through it, that, yeah. that everything was starting to fall. I will, I will say this. And, and they this called was, me, by the way. And they oh, were they like, did? listen, they told you this? We, like, Jonathan, we need to let you know. They said, Jonathan, like, listen, like, Jason was great, but we were going to go with our second best. <laughs> listen, five years ago. Listen, Jonathan, five years ago we made the right choice. Now that choice just walked out the door. <laughs> Listen, man. You, you want, hey, man, uh, you still want the gig? Look, uh, They called me and I said, no. Out of respect for my friendship, yeah. I will not. I will not do it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Plus, that. I didn't want to read all those fucking DC books. I appreciate it. So, yeah, there was rough sometimes. Okay, uh, so that is what I heard. And now I'm hearing that it will be folded into a wider Warner Brothers streaming app. Geeks gave us take this with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. we are clearly joking and well, rocking. Well, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, sounds like a good business move. I wish. Uh, I mean, this should be a Warner Brothers app. It's it's like CBS All Access. That should be the Paramount app. Agreed. Um, you should get the MTV stuff. You should get the Transformer mm-hmm. stuff. You mm-hmm. get all their. They're, agreed. Yeah, they're, they're making it too niche, and that's the problem. Again. Comic books are a niche market. As much as I love them, they're a niche market. At at yeah. their best, at its best, there are what maybe five hundred thousand comic book fans that read comics. Maybe there is a yeah. I think there's forty thousand people who read Spider Man. Yeah, you know, but I would say like because the best selling issue right now is a hundred thousand. You're mm-hmm. lucky if you had hundred thousand. So to me, I'm just like, well, there are probably people that only read trays. There are probably people that read manga. They're probably so I would like say like, oh, there's five hundred thousand sure. people in America that read comic books. Five hundred even five hundred thousand people signing up for an app is too low. Yep. If it's not a million, you you failed. Right. You failed. In in a in a country of three hundred and eighty million Come on. <laughs> yeah, you got, it's like these 500,000 are going to sustain us. Yeah. Let's spend 8 billion, 8 million an episode. Yeah. Well, I can't even imagine. Like, I don't even know if there are numbers in this. Like, I, how many people do you think subscribe to Netflix? But, but, but honestly, like, get the design, but the, the, the to defend DC, mm-hmm. defend Warner Brothers, they weren't aiming on those episodes being 8 million. They were aiming on those episodes to be 4 million yeah. with that 4 million tax credit coming back per episode. Sure. They, were, they wanted to spend 40 million. They wanted to spend eighty million and get forty million back. When they realized that they were spending eighty million and only getting fourteen million back, mm. that was a really fast pulling of the plug. But it had to be done because the hemorrhaging had started. Well, I think um, yes, and I think that's exact. That's it's an executive move because executives do that. And executives act like really quickly. What it's, else are you gonna do? It's the same thing as when Bat Penis came out and Batman Damned, and the president of DC was immediately like, "Cancel the book." I got my copy. Like you did. You have that Batman Penis. I lick it. All right. It, uh, it was Scratch and Sniff was a weird it was thing. A scratch, it's a your scratch copy of Scratch and Sniff? I was like, Lee Bermejo's artwork has never been so... Smell like never, uh, sweaty leather? Okay. <laughs> sweaty S&M gear. <laughs> um, smells like the inside of I, the tank. I mean, the interesting thing now will be how long until they announce it's being absorbed by WB. Like, I... Because I don't think that's an announcement you make at Comic-Con. Hey, guys, failure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, I don't, you think don't do it. But... I bet you very soon, probably at Comic Con, we're gonna get the announcement that there is no Doom Patrol season two. Right. That they're that Stargirl is already canceled. But she's only gonna be a one. Se- they're they're gonna start claiming that Stargirl was o- always a one season show. Is what's gonna happen. Well, and I then th- Titan season two will be the last show. Yeah, I think that you that you you frame it as an exciting forward progress. I think that first you have to put the soft landing under it and say. Uh, we're announcing a brand new Warner Brothers 
streaming service, it's and it's going to absorb these things mm-hmm. because you can't just bring the axe out. No, you're not going to just bring the axe out, you know, and, and be like, "Hey, these are canceled." You're going to give it a soft landing, and you're going to come out with a very, very exciting Warner Brothers app. And look at it; Warner Brothers is one of the major studios. Sure, they've they're owned by a major conglomerate that has all sorts of digital abilities. Like, so you end up with. So there's a lot of content there. Warner Brothers also, has over 100 years of content. The like, secret gun of Warner Brothers, and I don't even know if they realize this, the secret gun of Warner Brothers is the animation department. That's what I'm saying. If they put all of Looney Tunes that's what I'm on saying. this app, because you can't find Looney Tunes Just anywhere. fucking premiere Space Jam 2 on yep. the damn thing. I would, I would buy that app. Would you get the app for a month to watch Space Jam 2 with LeBron James? Uh, <laughs> it depends on one factor. Yeah. Is Bill Murray in it? Is Bill Murray and Wayne Knight in it? Yes. If, if those two are is not in Space Bill Jam Murray 2, and Wayne I want Knight no part of it. it. So They're space, part of the success. So Geekscape is... Wayne Knight. I, there's a conspiracy... You know, maybe there's a theory that LeBron James tanked the Laker career so he could get straight to Space Jam 2 filming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I have a funny Space Jam 2 story, but it's from... Can I tell it? I'll tell it. That project's not going to happen. I was working on a basketball... I wanted to do a basketball documentary for a very long time, for about six, seven years. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tell a story about a very rare, very not publicized basketball game that happened over 50 years ago. And it shaped the league. And I was pursuing contacts with different NBA players in order to um, get the ball rolling mm-hmm. on making this documentary. The documentary ended up being done by a different filmmaker as part of a larger series. ESPN ran the series called Basketball, A Love Story, which mm-hmm. had, it was like nine hours of, or ten hours or so of mini basketball docs, of which this story was one of the mini basketball docs. And I'm like, awesome, that guy did it, it's done. But in pursuing that documentary for years, I had got a meeting with an NBA player. Um, he used to play, uh, one of the meetings was with a player named Baron Davis who used to play for, he was on the We Believe Warriors team. He played for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He was one of the guys that Donald Sterling said some racist shit to. And he, Baron's a fucking cool guy. He's a really cool guy. But I remember sitting with Baron at this table at Soho House and Baron is actually a really good filmmaker. He's a really great filmmaker. He made a documentary on the Drew League, which is a league that happens every summer in South LA. And when um, the strike happened, and what's really cool mm-hmm. is the Drew League. Um, it puts it, guys. If you can, if you guys can find this documentary, I believe it's called the Drew. Baron directed it. It's a really great documentary. He grew up playing in this league. He grew up in this neighborhood, and it is like. It is the Crips and Blood neighborhood, mm-hmm. but the Drew League pulls, like, there's none of that shit in the Drew League. And when the NBA strike happened, that's where NBA players went to play games. That's and crazy. So the Drew League really blew up when you go to see guys from the neighborhood come and play in the league, and suddenly Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant are in the fucking games, and they're playing against people that are in the neighborhood. And so it's pretty amazing seeing all these people uh, playing in the Drew League. And the documentary is great. And so I was like, okay, Baron would be an awesome asset. And he, in, right off the bat, he goes, okay, I want to co-direct this documentary with you. And I said, awesome. I, don't, I have no ego about this. Absolutely, let's co-direct. And he's like, great. We went through an outline. We started talking about the outline, like what are the different three-act structure would be of this documentary. It was all good. And that's about, it only took, that took maybe 30 minutes of the meeting. 
We're, you know, then finally, then he goes, so listen, I got an idea for Space Jam too. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next hour. That was the, the, his story for Space Jam 2 was the next hour of this conversation. I don't remember many particulars, just that Baron, love you. Do love Baron Davis. He's a good guy. But you guy. think Space Jam 2 is actually not going to happen? No, Space Jam 2 is getting filmed right now. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. It's happening with LeBron. But Baron, I love you, man. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that Space Jam 2 not happening. It's oh, your man. version? His version. Oh, okay. I never had a version of Space Jam 2. Okay. But version. I sat through an hour of him telling me his version of Space Jam 2. And I was like, I don't know about this one. Uh, <laughs> oh. I don't know, Baron. This Space Jam 2 isn't very good. All right. <laughs> He's like, and I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I was like, yeah. maybe the third one, Baron. Maybe the third one. Or if this Warner Brothers app has a Space Jam series, you're in the writer's Make room. Make a Space Jam show. Make a Space Jam show. Space Nobody's... Jams. Space Jam. Jamming out. <laughs> um, <laughs> we just got on that Warner Brothers app story, and I was like, uh-huh. yeah, I've never told that story. No, I, I, the Warner Brothers app is, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think they should all, I think all the yeah. studios will have the apps. They probably like will. Fox, wait, well, never mind. Oh, that's true. No, no more Fox app. That's under. Did- yeah, that, it's funny, like a couple weeks ago, somebody introduced the idea to me that you realize The Simpsons will be on Disney Plus. Hell yeah, will we? That's crazy. It's massive. That's ma- that also gets me to sign up for that app because I've been wanting to just binge The Simpsons forever. And that app sounds like it's like six fifty. Mm-hmm. It's like seven bucks a month. Yeah. And then if you get a couple extra bucks, you get all of ESPN, well, because, so I can fi- so yeah. I can watch that mm-hmm. basketball documentary series. Because they can keep it low because Disney is making billions and billions and billions of dollars over here on Star Wars and Marvel movies. They don't need the money from this app. The money for this yeah. app is just cheddar this on top. This two-year hiccup, two, three-year hiccup on Star Wars movies where they're like, okay, we, we're post-Skywalker because obviously the Skywalker saga is going to end here with uh-huh. this last episode nine. Sure it will. Yeah. <laughs> well... Sure, well. You're going to the books and all that. Track. Until 10 years from now, yeah. they convince Mark Hamill to come back for another movie. Yeah. Mark Hamill's ghost running around. <laughs> guys, Or they'll digitally de-age him and tell the story of in between right guys, after Return of the Jedi. Well, yeah, the, the Knights of Ren. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys heard me on the last episode talking about when Star Wars died. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, it was Jabba's Palace. It was what? like, oh, yeah. Oh, I want to hear this. In my, well, it's on okay. the last episode, sure, but... Sure. In my opinion, there's two good Star Wars movies. Okay. And Rogue One, which has some silliness. I don't care. Rogue One has a lot of silliness in it. Yeah. But we get, it's a new hope and empire. Okay. But by the time you're in Jabba's palace and you see that trash fucking plan that they did to save Han Solo, mm-hmm. that plan's trash. That well, plan yeah. is trash. But Skywalker's 22 in that movie? It's not even that he's 22. It's like, why'd they send Lando in there early? Mm. He's clearly not communicating with Leia. He's definitely not scoping out whether or not that he, Leia's going into a trap. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're all working independently. Boba Fett doesn't recognize Lando, even though they were just on Bespin like a year earlier together mm-hmm. and all this shit. And then Luke comes in with his own plan, stashing a lightsaber in R2 that he can pop out later on the fucking skiff, but... Motherfucker just dropped into a pit against a rancor and decides to fight him with a bone instead. Mm-hmm. It's like, none, none of this plan works. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're going to fight him with a bone when you've got a lightsaber waiting for you. Oh, okay. You guys are all macho chads. I understand the logic of that plan doesn't work, but I will say I actually... There's no plan. There's I like, no plan. I like the Jabba's, uh, Jabba Palace section of Return of the Jedi, as you can tell... 
by uh, Java, stuff Java the Hutt and oh. Salacious Crumb sitting no, on my couch right beside me. It's fun. <laughs> don't, call, don't call me Java. I've, I've put a lot of work into my, my fitness. <laughs> um, no, I'm he, Java. He, You're Salacious. He, he does. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He does have his. Uh, he does. Yeah, have we all have Salacious Crumb. His stuff, stuff. But um, no, yeah, no. Geekscape is. We really went into depth on it in the last episode, and um, no, and, I. And, 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 and Return of the Jedi does not hold up. Oh, no, I, it is thin, brother. There, it is thin. I like Return of the Jedi, though. I enjoy it. Like it's one of those movies, like where if I watch the first two, I have to watch Return of the Jedi to get the completion. But I will say this: and I won't watch any of the other. I'll tell you what. Everybody's going to hate me for this, but I don't care, and I think it's hundred percent true. I think the prequels are better than anything Disney Star Wars has ever made. And, so, and I think the prequels are bad. The prequels are awful. But my defense of the prequels, I think, are along the similar lines as you mm-hmm. in that. At least he went for something different. Yes, and I also he was think not playing the remake machine. If you look at the prequels, there's a depth. Now you can see the you can see the themes that he's trying to play off of. You can see the metaphors that he's trying to do. Like the prequels are all this, and you they're very influenced by the early two thousands. You can there's a big anti-war, anti the war on terror feeling in all those movies. Sure, and. He doesn't execute it right. The no. scenes are the problems. Like this, every scene is not dramatic and not interesting. But the, if you step back and like look at it like an outline mode, they're yeah. very powerful. Whereas but he never selected a protagonist. Exactly, and that's he the problem. He never selected a that's, spine for that it, story. It's very muddled. But you, it should have clearly been Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the series is about witnessing Vader. The yeah. entire trilogy is about witnessing Anakin, mm-hmm. and it should have started with Obi Wan witnessing Anakin. I agree. The same way that Luke is witnessing mm-hmm. Anakin, but at least at least there's something there. It's not told through Anakin, you know. It was never told through Anakin. The what first is, trilogy was never told. What through is Vader. the Force Awakens about? What is the Force Awakens? You're, Jonathan, you're a writer. What is it about, I, dude? The only thing I liked about Force Awakens was there was a guy named what was that dude who's like, and he took. There's a version of Force Awakens in my head. Where Debo or whatever his name is, keep, I don't know anybody's name. Keeps, in the movie. keeps the round droid. Okay, uh, BB-8. BB-8 yeah. keeps him because he found him rightfully. Yeah, and I think it's trash that Ray stole him. <laughs> oh, you mean the the guy on the weird horse thing or whatever? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's the only toy I have from the from the new oh, that's movies. Funny. BB-8, uh, BB-8 is probably the best thing. I like those BB-8. Movies. That's a good design. Um, I but I heard that was a Ralph McQuarrie design. That's the reason why they did. That's it. That's pretty awesome. I like BB-8. I love. The idea that Ryan Johnson was like, I'm going to go in there and disrupt, and I'm going to try and get this series back into being adventurous, it was done in a not-so-good way. <laughs> and I knew that the second they were like, here's some grav bombs in zero gravity, <laughs> how is this a plot device? I'm like... You know you know my biggest problem this with the, my biggest problem it, the Last Jedi? It's just not thought out. It, it's, yeah, it's not thought out. There's no follow-through. So this entire movie, the, the, you can look at The Last Jedi, and I think it's an interesting idea that the entire idea of the movie is... Let the past die. Let the past sure, die. Sure. Kill it. Cool. I love movies with themes. Let's um, go. But the end of the movie is Ray being like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna team up with you, Sith Lord, because you're a bad guy." So she's doing exactly what the past did. Yep. And then even Luke Skywalker, the entire movie is like, "The Jedi sh- don't work. The Jedi don't work." And instead of introducing an idea of like, let's be gray Jedi, let's be half Sith, half Jedi, because that's the balance. That's the balance of the Force. And then at the end, he's like, "No, no, no! I'm just going to be a Jedi and 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 fight the guy." I'm going to ghost fight this dude. So, 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 yeah. Ryan Johnson 
negates the theme of right. his own movie within his own movie. Yeah, Luke Skywalker doing <laughs> Luke Skywalker pulling the fucking Tupac Coachella move. Yeah, <laughs> was like yeah. Not, I was like, did that motherfucker just pull the Tupac Coachella move? Yeah, it, he did. So, so to me, it's it's. The the new the new Disney Star Wars movies and everybody out there if you love them I'm so happy for you but I don't love them because they're paper thin they're, they're I would super thin I would rather just watch a, they feel like YouTube clip shows of Star Wars and to the me. prequels for me just that that sin of not having a clear protagonist yes. that drives the story made those movies so dull and again I I I concede the prequels are terrible <laughs> but I can look at the prequels. And I can see the storytelling. Like I, I can see, like you were attempting something. You were Whereas going for it. the new Star Wars movies, their attempt is money, 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 money. That's the that's the attempt. That's why for me, Geekscape Star Wars fans, like for me, it always goes back to Gary Kurtz as being mm-hmm. the unsung hero of Star Wars. And when Gary Kurtz left after Empire, yeah, I feel like a lot of those. Checks and balances that might have happened with George. I'll tell you, the best, the best Star Wars out there right now is Star Wars Rebels. Dave, Dave Filoni really understands character, and he really understands how to make that franchise new, but not too new that we don't recognize it. Uh, and Star Wars Rebels is probably my favorite Star Wars things, of even better than Empire. Ever. Yeah, the when you it's not Shadows of the Empire. Oh, <laughs> the I, I, love, I love that video that game. Video Dash Rendar. Oh man, that was the shit. And uh, the green guy. I remember reading that novel. Zizor, Zizor, Black Sun. Hell yeah! yeah they man. should have made that Black Sun, and like that should have been that should have been solo. That should have been in solo. Yeah. Like if they're gonna like that should have been the they should have just remade Shadows of the Empire, basically except with Han Solo in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much That's what they should have done. That video game is so good. I love Geeks Game is. If you made it this far, yeah, we're oh, in the God. fucking weeds, and this is why you listen to Geekscape, because you're like, oh, shit. We should probably go get out of the weeds so we get some lunch. <laughs> we will. We will wrap up. Geekscape is... Um, you guys can find this conversation basically every week here on Geekscape, um, and I, this is what I love. I love doing the show with, with my friends, and I also love promoting their projects, because um, I've been asked to potentially write a book, and Ooh. and I... Have a I have a year's worth of notes on it. Okay, I just have to discipline myself to put it down. It's tough, man. It is tough. So I, I will pick your brain about this because I think it's an incredible accomplishment. As you can tell, it's at the top of the charts here on Amazon. Better than Batman right Better now, than Batman. As, as of this moment. Dude, I still have this. I I <laughs> I was gonna repost those screen grabs to to Instagram and be like, Throwback Thursday when I fucking kicked Alan Moore's ass. <laughs> 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 when Grant Morrison was eating my heels, you know, like eating my my dirt. Um, so Geekscape is it's here. It's Super Soldiers. You guys can pre-order it or order it straight up. Depending on when you're listening to this. Oh, I'm posting this right away. Oh, okay, cool. it'll be up. Monday. So it's on pre-order right now. It comes it's out June 18th. June 18th. June 18th. And I have a pre-order it. If you're in the LA area, I have a signing at Earth Two. He does Earth Two. He's going to be in Sherman Oaks signing. Within uh, walking distance of my place, if yes. you can find me, Geekscape. Uh, there's also a great sidewalk sale that same day. It's on the the, the 22nd. The 22nd. Yeah, from I, 11 a.m. to like 2. So Saturday the 22nd, Geekscape is if you're in L.A., you go down to Earth 2 and you can meet Jason in, in, uh, in person. But otherwise, go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble's, wherever you get your books. There's an audio version that we did not read. And uh, mm-hmm. it's called Super Soldiers. Go and pre-order the book. It comes out in another week. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And that little, it comes out the 18th, June 18th. So and it's got a really cool cover. I it think does. Who did cool. that cover? Uh, 
a guy at the publishing company. I don't know. I don't know his name. <laughs> oh no! Disrespectful. I don't, I don't know his name. He just emailed okay. it to me. I can tell He's you. Like, what do you think of this? I, threw, I kind of jotted it down. Um, uh, Roberto Nunez. Roberto Nunez needs to do yep. a cover for your next comic mm-hmm. or something. You guys need to work together because I think that was that's a pretty awesome deal. Um, so go pick it up, um, Super Soldiers. Uh, thanks, brother. Thanks for coming. No, on thanks the show. for having me, man. I love uh, we shake on shake on the podcast, even though nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. We did shake, and <laughs> you can catch Jason and his lovely wife Ashley, who has a book coming out as well, uh, promoting those books at the Geekscape booth at Comic Con this That's summer. Right. Yeah, I'll have copies of Super Soldiers there. Hell Heck yeah! yeah. Uh, all right, Geekscapists, we're gonna be. At, I think it's booth thirty nine nineteen at Comic Con. But you know what? Before that, why don't we just become friends? And you can go visit us on our Facebook page. Geekscape, or check out our Instagram, Geekscape Forever. Check us out on Twitter, wherever you guys do. Like, come and talk to us, come hang out, and uh, and share and share a like. Geekscape Forever on Facebook is a fun group, and we're having a lot of fun in that one. Uh, usually, people are posting memes in that group, and I turn right around, and I take those memes, and I post them on the Geekscape page proper because they're fucking hilarious. Uh, so come be a part of that, and you can check out Jason on Twitter. You can ch- he he's Jawin on Twitter, which is J A W I I N. I'm, I'm that everywhere: YouTube, Instagram, all of it. And then we have our podcast, which you have been on a couple of times, mm-hmm. Geek History Lesson, which is on iTunes everywhere, where we basically teach you about one character in pop culture in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jonathan came did. out and defended Deadpool. Did I defend Deadpool? You defended Deadpool. We did a Deadpool episode a long time ago, and then you came on again for a list. Alfred. I can't remember. And then I did Top Stanley Creator. Yeah, we talked about, yeah, we did a Top Stanley Creations, yeah. Yeah, where we talked about J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson. The greatest Uh, Stanley character of all time. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I love my Peter Parker. Well, let's put a prediction out there right now. Will J. Jonah Jameson be in National Lampoon's Spider-Man Far From Home European Vacation? Absolutely not. I don't think so either. No. No. Absolutely not. Um, I wish he would be, but I don't think he will be. It's just such a testament to that first Raimi movie. J.K. Simmons is so good, man. That first Raimi movie is so economic and so good. He got it all in there, Mm -hmm. except Gwen. And that's it. Yep. It was amazing. I, I, I know I think Spider-Man 2 is better. I agree. And I agree with you. Uh, But I I will say this as another controversial hot take. I think Spider-Man 2 is so much better than Spider-Man Homecoming. I've had so many people tell me that Spider-Man, I love Home- Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming is the best Spider-Man movie. And I love Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming, but no, Spider-Man 2 is like perfection. Jason, that's why you're on the show. Yep. All right, and those fools aren't. Because <laughs> your opinion... I'm not calling them fools. Please buy my book. I don't want... I don't want I, please buy the book. Please buy the book. Unfool yourself and please buy the book. I don't want... Different opinions on the show. Yeah. I want I want a magnification of my own thoughts. Oh, you want exactly? <laughs> yeah, okay, got uh, it. please. Yeah. This is an echo chamber. Yeah. Uh, Geekscape is thanks for contributing <laughs> to the echo chamber. Go check us out online and be a part of it. Um, and we will expect us at E three next week. Okay, over and out, Geekscape is love you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.